There it is. All right. Now we know. We're ready. Thank you so much for leading worship for us. Um, a blessing that was. I may, just so you know, keep this in the back of your mind, I may, I may have us uh, call an audible here and have us sing that song again at the end, okay? If that's okay with you guys. Good. Okay. Thought so. All right. Well, let's go ahead and um, let's pray over our time in our word, Lord. We just invite you in. And what an amazing mystery it is, Lord, your grace, your love for me. Help us to um, just revel in that today, that mystery that we get to explore, that you have loved us with such a great love um, as we explore what it means to understand and accept the gospel. Um, And Father, I pray ahead of time that if there's anyone here, even if they've grown their whole life in the church, they've, they've been uh, a son or a daughter to Christian parents, if they feel a knocking on their heart saying, I don't think you've ever accepted this as your own, as your own uh, decision, that that decision would be made today or soon in the days hereafter. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, guys, well, we're back into our uh, series here, How to Quit Faking Your Faith and Become an Authentic Christian. And let's do a quick recap. Last time, we talked about the question, are you faking your faith? And we had um, this passage was uh, the one that we kind of focused on, Matthew 7, 21 to 23. And he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And who's saying this? Jesus is saying this. Yeah, you're right. Good. Sunday school. All right, Jesus said this, and it's a, it's a scary thought, right? Because Jesus is saying, not everyone who called me Lord is going to be in heaven. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And so we see that it's possible for us to think that we're following Christ and yet not be following Christ. And we end uh, the last time by talking about different ways you can fake your faith. And then we said at the end, Jesus is not Willy Wonka. That was kind of a weird statement. And I said there was a video clip. We didn't have time to watch it, so we're going to watch it today. Here you go. supposed to show us? How is Jesus not like Willy Wonka? Well, what does Willy Wonka do? He pulls out the contract, and where does he look on the contract? Well, he needs a magnifying glass, right? And and he needs to get to this bottom footnote with a magnifying glass where he reads it. And did you catch what he was saying? Part of that was Latin, 
Okay, so it wasn't even in English. So the, the part of the contract that they've broken is, is Latin and it's just gibberish and it's a tiny print and it's at the very bottom. And, and Jesus is not like that. Jesus is not trying to think of ways to keep us out of heaven. He's not going to refer to some small detail, some small footnote that says, oh, I know you went to church and I know you called yourself a Christian and I know you did all these things that made you feel like a Christian, but sorry, aunt, you lose, last day, there was this one little thing that I forgot to uh, draw your attention to and you're not in. Thankfully, Jesus is not like that. Christianity is not like that. Heaven is not going to be like that. That's not going to be judgment day where they pull out this, all the, the little footnotes and we don't get in. Okay, so we need to understand that because when I talk about faking your faith, am I really a Christian? You might get that sense. You might get that feeling. And so I want to kind of stop that from the very start. So instead, we are going to spend today talking about understanding and accepting the gospel. And we're going to do it with a quick little brainstorming session, okay? So what do you think you have to do or believe to be a Christian? And we're just going to brainstorm. We're going to throw all the ideas out there, okay? What do you have to believe or what do you have to do to be a Christian? We can do this. Colin. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God, okay? Anybody else? Brainstorm. That means no wrong answer. He died for sins. Okay, Jesus died for your sins. Is your hand up? No. Uh, he rose from the dead. dead. Alright, Jesus rose from the dead. What else? Yeah, go on. Everything in the Bible to be a Christian, to go to heaven. Okay. Do you know everything in the Bible, Lauren? Working on it. Okay. All right. All right. What do you have to know, believe, do to be a Christian? Brainstorm. Anything else, guys? Okay, so we're going to narrow it down to everything in the Bible, and Jesus died, and is the Son of God, and was it rose again? Yes, Jeff. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Okay, that's an important one. Anything else? Yeah, no? God is the only way to heaven. God is the only way to heaven. Okay. There's only one way, yeah. Adam? Believe in the Trinity? Is there a hand over here or just movement? Sorry. Okay, just movement. All right. Well, we'll stop there. Okay. Thank you. I'm not trying to make anyone feel uncomfortable. Those are good thoughts, good ideas. Today we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 2 as our template for how do we understand and accept the gospel. Go ahead, turn there if you're not there already. It's going to be on the screen as well. Um, and today it's really an exercise of let's try to really get into these 10 verses and really try to understand the flow of thought and what it means for us, okay? So I've kind of broken it up um, into chunks. And this is how I, it helps me, especially when I'm reading the, uh, whatever Paul writes, um, to really understand his flow of thought. I kind of have to take it in small chunks and break it up. So that's what we're going to do today. So the first thing we want to do is we want to see what we need to believe about ourselves, what we need to believe about ourselves in order to be Christians. 
Paul begins Ephesians 2 by saying, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Okay, so he uses this word were, and I'm going to really use my laser pointer here. Okay, so we've got this word were, all right? You were dead. So are the people he's talking to still dead? No, past tense, okay? So he's talking to a bunch of Christians. He says, you were dead. And why were they dead? Well, they were dead because they were in trespasses and sins in which you once walked. A helpful image for this is you may think of someone, you notice that they're dead, but they're walking, right? So I got the walking dead here. You're dead and you're alive at the same time. Think about someone who maybe they've gone out and they're playing on a lake. They fall through the ice. They immediately kind of get disoriented. They're under in the water. They're under the ice. You might say, you know, they're alive, but really they're dead, right? There's no chance. They can't get out. They're trapped under the ice. It's only a matter of time. Or think about someone who's um, out in the middle of the desert, miles and miles from any water, anything that's going to keep them. They're alive, but they're dead, right? They're the walking dead. They're, They're on their way to death. There's no hope for them. And that's the picture that's being painted of us in the beginning of Ephesians 2, that we are dead, that we're hopeless. How are we dead? How are we walking in the trespasses and sins in which we once walked? Well, we're doing it by following the course of this world. Notice I've kind of pushed it over a little bit to help us see this is how we're dead. And then we have another one, following the prince of the power of the air. And then it gives us a little more explanation. Who's the prince of the power of the air? It's the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Now think about this. This sounds, this sounds bad. Sounds like someone, you know, you're just following after whatever the world does. You're following after the prince of the power of the air, which sounds kind of poetic, but we're talking about Satan here, right? Satan, who's at work in the sons of disobedience. And you might hear that and you might think, well, thank goodness that doesn't describe me. Because I'm, you know, I'm not a Satanist. I'm not a Satan worshiper. I don't, you know, turn off all the lights in my basement and light candles and do seances and summon the spirits. That's spooky movie stuff, right? But if we go on to the very next verse, we see among whom we all once lived. Okay, so here we see that all of us were doing this. All of us were dead. All of us were following after the world. All of us were following after Satan, the one who's at work in the sons of disobedience. And so you might ask yourself, how have I followed Satan. How is this true of me? And if we go to the next section, we'll see it's in the trespasses, or sorry, in the passions of our flesh. What do you guys think of when you think of passions? It's kind of like an old English word to describe your desires, your wants, right? So how have we followed Satan? We followed him by by living in the passions of our flesh. It goes on to say, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. You guys know that as you go through every single day, you are hit by desire after desire after desire after desire, right? First thing in the morning, I have to go to the bathroom. I have to eat. I have to do this. I have to do that. And, and these are it's just it's the normal desires that kick up. But as you go throughout your day, lots of desires come into mind. Okay, so you might be going to school. Your mom might say, go do this. You might say, I don't want to. I don't want to do what my parents say. I don't want to follow their instructions, right? 
And you might get to school and you might see an attractive person. You might say, I want to stare at that person as they walk past me. Right? I want to think maybe impure thoughts. And so here it's saying, how have we all followed Satan? We've all followed Satan by giving in to those desires constantly. Constantly listening to our flesh and obeying our flesh. Okay? And because we live in the passions of our flesh, if we work logically backwards, what it's saying is when we follow the passions of our flesh, we obey Satan. We follow Satan. Satan's at work in us. And because we're following and and obeying Satan, it means that we're walking this path of trespasses and sins. And because we're walking the path of trespasses and sins, we are, or if we follow Christ, we were dead. We were dead. Now you might think, this sounds pretty bad. Can't get worse, right? Well, it can. Okay? Because the very next verse says, and... Not only all of this, and we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So it's not bad enough that we're following the passions of our flesh, obeying Satan, following the course of the world, dead in our trespasses, but we are also the objects of God's anger and wrath. So the problem is not just that we followed Satan. The problem is that by following Satan... We're not following God. And by not following God, we deserve his wrath. We deserve his punishment. And his wrath and his punishment isn't like a quick little spanking and then it's done. It's not time out for 10 minutes and then everything's okay. We're talking about wrath that's eternal, in hell, forever, justly deserved because our sin against him. Now we have to see that this is, sorry, let's go get that that very last part again. This is, uh, (laughs) there. Um, This is for everyone, right? We are by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Okay, so it's not that God's just picking on you, it's not picking on me. This is the state of every single person. Okay, everyone is under God's wrath. Everyone is given into the passions of their flesh. So as we look back on verses 1 through 3, we have to see that, believe it or not, this is the beginning of being a Christian. You have to believe this in order to be a Christian. You must recognize that you are dead in your sin and that you are in need of a Savior. And you might ask, why? The reason is because people who don't think they're in trouble, people who don't think they need a Savior are people who can never be genuine Christians because you're never going to reach out to Christ. You don't need to be saved if you're not a sinner. It's like the person who's in a burning building, right? The flames are engulfing them. You see the other floors, there's smoke coming out and, and the fire department is down beneath them and they've got that big you know, circular trampoline thing that they always have in the shows I've never seen in real life. Do they really do it? I don't know. All right? And um, they say, you know, jump, it's your only hope. And the guy says, no, no, it's not so bad up here. I, you know, the fire, I'm just going to, I actually brought hot dogs for lunch. I'm going to get them roasted. I got some marshmallows just in case something like this happens. Everything's going to be fine. It's not that big of a deal. Okay? That's the person who says, 
you know what, this doesn't really apply to me, but I, I still want to be saved. I want to follow Jesus. You can't follow Jesus unless you believe that you are utterly hopeless and in need. You are the person trapped under the ice. You are the person lost in the desert. You are the person in the burning building. And while this is kind of a silly illustration uh, that you're trapped in the burning building, this is a huge hurdle for some people to get over. And it's a huge hurdle because it goes completely opposite of what we're told in our lifetime. We are told that the general course of what we're told in this life by television, by our teachers, by a lot of what the world says is that this message is the opposite of what we need to believe. We're told that this is bad for your self-esteem. Why would you, you know, you are a good person. You need to think more positively about yourself. And we're told that you were born this way. You need to be who you are. Be true to yourself. Anyone who tells you not to be true to yourself, you know, that's someone you should disregard. That's not someone that you need to listen to. You don't need to change. You guys hear that message as you kind of watch things on TV, as you see what the world tells you? And, and do you see how that is quite the opposite of what God is telling us? You are not okay. You do need to change. There's a big problem here. And so our Bible teaches us the truth that to be a Christian, this is our first point, to be a Christian... You must begin by recognizing that you're a sinner who deserves God's punishment and wrath. To be a Christian, you must begin by recognizing that you're a sinner who deserves God's punishment and wrath. So the first thing we wanted to see is we wanted to see, what do I have to believe about myself to be a Christian? This is what you have to believe about yourself to be a Christian. The second thing we need to talk about is, what do you need to believe about what God has done for you? Okay, so look at the very next two words. What are the next two words after this incredibly bad news? But God. But means there's something different is coming, right? Something's changing. So there's incredibly bad news about you, but God being rich in mercy. We talked about the Good Samaritan in the last small group. Mercy is the act of showing what? Compassion, right? The act of showing compassion. Um, so we've got God being rich in showing compassion. Why does God have compassion on us? Because of the great love with which he loved us. All right, so we see that what's coming next, what God has done for us, it is not an emotionless thing. That It's powered and generated by God's love for us. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, so as a quick reminder to you, what about, you're about to hear has nothing to do with what you can do for yourself. Okay, you are dead still, but God, even when you were dead, what did he do? God made us alive together with Christ. He made us alive together with Christ. So when was Christ made alive? Well, at his resurrection, right? And, and what was he made alive from? from very real death, from nails in your hands and feet and whipped and bled to death and broken and, and dead, dead. We're not talking, this is not poetry. We're not using illusions like, I felt dead when you hurt my feelings. You know? No, we're talking about, you, were, you are really dead. You're dead. And it says, when you follow Christ, God makes us alive together with Christ. When? When did he do that? He did it when he raised up Christ 
from the dead, your life, when Christ was brought back from the dead, your life was brought back from the dead. And this is by grace. By grace you have been saved. To utter once again that this is nothing to do with you. And God raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So God made us alive. He made us alive after Jesus lived the perfect life that we should have lived. Jesus died in our place. Okay, we see that in other parts of scripture. In Romans it talks about Jesus dying in our place, taking our punishment. God raises him from the dead. And if we follow Jesus, we too are raised from the death that is being described here. Our sin is paid for. Our life is redeemed. And he did it so that he could spend the rest of our lives and all of eternity showing just how loving and kind and gracious he is towards those who accept the gospel. That's what we see in the next little bit here. So that in the coming ages, that's the coming ages forever and ever and ever, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Okay, so we ask the question, what, did we have to, what do we have to believe about ourselves that we're sinners? What do we have to believe about God? Well, we have to believe, to be a Christian, you must believe that God sent Jesus, who really is himself, God in the flesh, to live the perfect life that we should have lived so he could die the death that we should have died in order to give us a new life and save us from our sins. This is the core of the gospel. You believe this about yourself, and you believe this about God. Now, what does this mean we can't believe? This negates a few beliefs that our world thinks is very popular. Well, we can't believe that Jesus was just a prophet or just a good person, that Jesus was a wise teacher, because only God could be the one to pay for all of our sin. Only God could take the sin of all the world and die for it. So we can't believe that Jesus is just a good person. You also can't believe that Jesus is just one way to heaven. as a popular belief that you know, we all have our different paths. Because if, if sin really is the problem, like in number one, if sin really is the problem, well, only Jesus died for sin. Only Jesus came to sacrifice himself to take the punishment of our sins. Okay, so this is the core of the gospel here. But we're not done yet. We have a couple more verses. So third, we have to ask the question, um, to, be a que- to be a Christian, is there anything I have to do? Okay, we, we're talking about we believe this, we believe this. Well, do I have to do anything? Well, yes, you do. You have to do one thing. It says, for grace you have been saved, by grace you have been saved through faith. Through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. So if you were to do anything, the only thing you have to do is accept what has already been done for you. It's a gift. It's someone, God is holding a present out to you, and all you have to do is reach out and take it. You have to do it through faith. Jesus says in Mark 1.15, repent and believe. Repent and believe in order to accept the gospel. Repentance is this acknowledgement that I am dead, that I am hopeless, that I am in the burning building, that I am under the ice, that I am in the middle of the desert. I need help. And I need your forgiveness, God. And then belief is just saying, I believe this about myself and I believe this about God, that you are rescuing me, that you sent Jesus to die for my sins and take my place. And a couple things that must be made clear about this third point. Put the third point up there. 
okay, to be a Christian you must receive this salvation through faith, um, is that this is a personal decision. This is a personal decision, which means that you have to make it. No one can make this decision for you. Okay, this is a decision. It's something you're not born into. This is an idea that I came across a lot as I taught my religion class over in Jerusalem, that I would shock my students when I would tell them that my kids weren't Christians. And they said, well, of course your kids are Christians. You're a Christian. You're, they're Christians. You know, I'm Muslim. My parents are Muslim. We're all Muslims. We've always been Muslims. And I said, no, it's different for us, right? Because it's a decision you have to make. And my kids have not decided to follow Christ yet. Okay, so this is a decision. You can't be born into it. And this must be a sincere decision. Okay, it's not something that we can just, it's, it's not a magic formula. It's not like repent and believe. It's not like you go to the priest on Sunday morning and say, please forgive me of my sins. I believe that this Jesus is the gospel. I'll sign my name on the dotted line. Yes, I believe it. Okay, and then you go and you know, live life. It's not just some magic formula. It's something that you must sincerely believe about yourself that you are in need of help and that your only way of salvation is by taking what was done for you on the cross and asking that it be applied to your sake. So the third thing is, to be a Christian, you must receive this salvation through faith. And fourth, all right, we have one more thing. To be a Christian, you must understand that salvation is a gift that cannot be earned. It's a gift because it says here in verse 9, it's not a result of works so that no one may boast. Okay, this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. If this salvation could be earned, well, there's no way that we were really dead, right? Because if you're really dead, you can't do anything. You can't, you know, like, <gasps> give yourself CPR, and you're like, you just get a little bit better, you, you pull yourself up a little bit, and you're like, oh, I made it. No, if you're really dead, you can't do anything. You're helpless, you're hopeless. And so... We see here that to be a Christian, you have to understand that there's nothing that I can do. You have to understand that salvation is a gift. It's something you cannot earn. Okay, And we have to be careful that we never communicate that being a Christian requires Jesus plus something else. There's a lot of churches out there. There's a lot of Christians out there who, who have an idea that you can be a Christian. You just need Jesus plus this. Okay, it might be a, an exercise plan, right? There are actually like, you know, Jesus plus this diet is what you need. You need Jesus plus a regular church attendance, right? You need Jesus plus helping out in the Sunday school every other week. You need Jesus plus giving to the poor. That's a big one. You're going to come across that later in life that you don't care. You, you, know, you haven't given your money to the starving orphans in Rwanda. Yes, it's a good, good thing to do, but that's not what makes me a Christian. That's not what saves you. It's not Jesus plus leading other people to Christ. Okay? You are not saved by your track sheet of how many people you've led to Christ. The gospel is just Jesus. It's a gift. It's something that we just need to receive. And, and we're prone to see these as reasons as for why I'm a Christian. We're prone to look at, you know, am I a Christian? Well, here's what I've done. I've done this and this and this and this. That's what makes me a Christian, right? And we're close when we say that, but we need just a slight tweak in the way that we think. So what's that tweak? How do we know we're a Christian? How do we know if we've accepted the gospel? And this is going to sound kind of similar to what I just said, but let's read what it says in verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship 
created in Christ Jesus for good works. You see that? We're, we're created, when we come to Christ Jesus, we're created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. It's not that we get into Christ Jesus by doing good works. It's that when we are in Christ Jesus, the good works naturally come out of us, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them, okay? So that big idea is this. How do you know that you're a Christian? Well, because these things, these, this love for going to the church, the love for serving in church, the love for serving the poor, the love for leading other people to Christ, this, this flows out of who you are and your love for Christ. It doesn't make you a Christian, but it shows you are one. Okay, because being a genuine Christian makes you love to do those things. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's an important distinction that we make. All right, so God's work in our lives is the evidence, it is the evidence that we have in fact accepted the gospel, that we really are a Christian. So as we finish up here, all right, do I have the, let's go to the points here. Yeah, I pushed the wrong button. Uh, what did that do? That does nothing. That deletes stuff. I deleted something. Just pushing buttons here. Dan, help. All right, so quick review, okay? First point, we have to believe about ourselves. Uh, we have to recognize that we are sinners deserving God's punishment. Second point, we have to recognize who Jesus is, God's rescue plan. Jesus came, lived the perfect life that we should have lived, but didn't died the death that we should have died, but we didn't because he died it for us, in order to give us a new life and save us from our sin. So we believe these things. What we do is we reach out and we accept this gift that's been given to us through salvation. We say, I believe it, I have faith, I accept it. And then we understand that it's a gift that's given to us. And then how do we show that we've really done all of this? Well, we don't do anything. God's work works in us and we naturally change and we naturally become people who live in the good deeds that God sets before us. And so tonight, today, this afternoon, this morning, where am I? Morning, we're in the morning. We end with just this. Have you in fact understood and accepted the gospel? Have you understood and accepted the gospel? Maybe this is the first time where you're like, I didn't really realize that all of that was the gospel. You know, I'd heard about Jesus dying, whatnot, right? Lauren, this would be a good point. I'm not going to... Believe me, I'm not picking on you, but you made a really good point that's, you know, believe everything in the Bible. Let's think about that for a minute. I only have four bullet points up here. The Bible's like 10,000 pages long. Not quite that. That's exaggeration, a little less. But it's a, it's a big book, right? Okay, so, so thankfully, we actually don't have to know and believe everything in the Bible. There's a lot in there, okay? It, it is God's light to us. It, it helps us to believe this and live this out and apply this. And in a sense, we need to understand the grand scheme of the Bible, the big story in the Bible, which is this. This is the big story of the Bible, okay? But if I don't know Habakkuk 3, verse 7 off the top of my head, I'm a, you're going to be okay. Like, that's not entry-level question to get into heaven, okay? We should look it up sometime, see what it says. We'll talk about it, okay? But this is the essence of the gospel. So ask yourself, do you understand the gospel? And it, <coughs> if you do, if you don't, Please talk to one of us so we can explain it further. If you do, have you accepted it? Have you made it yours? Okay? And if you've made it yours, the big question for you today is this. Where do I see evidence of it? Where are these good works that apparently I was predestined to do? Where is God's work showing itself in my life? And how do you see that? Well, you don't look for, like, me on my best day. 
Don't look just for like, here's all the good stuff I do most of the time. All right? Think about all the bad stuff you used to do. Think about how you used to think about yourself. Think about how you used to think about other people. Think about how am I different than when I first accepted Christ. And if you're like, I accepted Christ when I was four. I don't really remember how I was different. Just think about how are you different from last year? Because this is an ongoing thing. God's work should continually be changing and growing us. And if you're not different at all, if you're like, I'm just the same guy that wrote, you know, I accepted Jesus on that card four years ago, then maybe you haven't really accepted the gospel. Maybe you haven't really chosen to follow it as your own. And I can't encourage you enough to do it. That there is a decision that you need to make and make a sincere one so that it changes and affects your life from here on out. So that's all you have for today. Um, I encourage you to think about those things as we go. And I think we do have time just to sing that song one one time through here um, as kind of a way to close and, and worship the Lord for what he has done in all of Ephesians 2. So as they come up, I'm going to go ahead and close us in prayer. We'll sing this song, and then we'll be dismissed. God, thank you for Ephesians 2, for, for laying it out so simply, so clearly. Help us to accept it and to want to live that. Um, help those of us who may be questioning, if we've really sincerely made that decision, would you, would you reveal to us the ways that you have been changing us, the ways that we are different, so that we may have confidence that you are at work in our life and and the gospel is real and that we are saved. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.